United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. If you look online and you do a search on the latest news out of Libya, you come up with several different headlines. Who's flying those MiG-29s in Libya? What does it matter? Can Tunisia stay out of Libya war? Macron slams criminal, uh, Turkey's criminal role in Libya, Putin's ambivalence. Turkey Navy commander visits Libya amid ongoing tension. And you wonder, what's going on here? I haven't heard much about this lately because of all the other news with coronavirus. Well, let's get some information from Thomas Hill, who follows this quite closely. Senior program officer for North Africa at the United States Institute of Peace, tweeting at S-E-A-T-O-D-C-A. Thomas Hill, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. There seems to be much to unpack, but obviously, you know, once we finished with Benghazi, I think most people are, uh, it seemed that interest in Libya waned. What are the latest and what are the interesting developments that I was just touching on a few headlines? What what are you watching closely? Well, what we've seen is, given the Turkish support to the internationally recognized government that's based in Tripoli, those forces have really been on the offensive for now going on four months and have been pushing back against uh, the warlord, an American citizen, actually, Khalifa Hiftar and his uh, band of militias. And the offensive supported by Turkey uh, up until about two or three weeks ago looked like it may wash uh, over the entire country, uh, which prompted Russia and the Emirates uh, to up their support to, uh, to the warlord, Khalifa Heftar, and uh, and now we've virtually reached a, a new stalemate. Uh, we had a stalemate before. Now we have a new stalemate with new battle lines drawn, and it's it's yet to be determined uh, whether this stalemate uh, will lead to a, a political solution or if this is just um, another step in the road as we get uh, to a situation where both sides uh, in this conflict are are still um, unable to come to a conclusion until one side controls all of the the oil wealth. So as you pointed out, this is a, a proxy war right now between Russia, the United Arab Emirates, and Turkey. That's what it sounds like. And one wonders, at the end of the day, is this about the conflict between those two forces, or is there something within Libya that is forming the conflict? Um, well, it's, it's a multi-level game that these these outside actors are playing, and, it, and it, I'm reducing it to those three, but there are other actors as well that are involved, maybe not to the same degree of France, Italy, Egypt, um, which has threatened to invade Libya, Saudi Arabia, and others. But the the real players who are invested money, military hardware, troops, um, and are and are really uh, keeping this conflict alive is uh, the three that you just mentioned: the Emirates, Russia, and Turkey. And these three actors um, often work at cross purposes. Sometimes their interests align. And when they align, as they do in Libya, um, in some cases, they, they join forces to fight against Turkey. Or they, um, but more often than not, their interests uh, are, are really self-serving. And so um, in Turkey's case, there are economic interests in Libya, but it's also an opportunity to create leverage for what the Turks want to achieve in Syria. And the Russians are in Syria. Um, and in order to get a deal, probably, uh, that is favorable from the Turkish perspective on Syria, uh, they're going to use all the um, leverage they have in Libya to make it painful on the Russians. So it, it really has become a proxy war. There are a lot of different facets uh, that drive different motivations of external actors, none of which serve the Libyan people in my mind. 
Thomas Hill, Senior Program Officer for North Africa at the United States Institute of Peace on Libya. So the United States pretty much is in the background on this, good or bad? Uh, at this point, it's probably a good thing. Um, the United States hasn't shown um, an ability to get involved in a productive way. They've been rhetorically uh, inconsistent. You had a call um, from the White House under when, when John Bolton was still there, between President Trump and the warlord Khalifa Hiftar, uh, but you've had the white, the other staff of the White House and um, and the State Department and Defense Department saying, no, no, we support the internationally recognized government that's based in Tripoli. Um, we have friends and allies on both sides of the conflict. We, we have NATO allies like Turkey, um, but then on the opposite side, we have France and Italy. Uh, so th- this is an incredibly complicated situation where diplomacy... Um, would really have to be at its premium. And right now, I'm not sure that the U.S. is well-positioned uh, internally, um, nor do I think we're um, putting forward our best face and our best foot with, um, with our allies uh, in Europe and in the Middle East in order to, to be productive. And so it's probably best that we keep an arm's-length distance at this point. Thomas, what's life like for people who live in Libya right now, for the Libyans? What, what, you know, coronavirus obviously has not spared that particular country, but obviously all of this conflict also ongoing. Yeah, the, the coronavirus um, is grossly underreported, so we don't have good statistics on how many people have been infected, how many people are dying of COVID. Hospitals that would treat COVID patients are being deliberately targeted by um, the militias that back the warlord Khalifa Heftar, uh, that has had a chilling effect on potential uh, patients at hospitals who, who would otherwise seek treatment, but because they fear for their lives, don't go to the hospital. Um, so we have no fidelity on the numbers of, of, for COVID patients in Libya, but we expect or assume that it is quite high. And that's on top of an already stressed healthcare system that was struggling to meet the demands of this current war that's been ongoing. Um, and so you have healthcare workers who are understaffed, under-resourced, um, struggling with just the normal healthcare system. You layer on top of that a civil war and then a, and then a global pandemic and the system essentially collapses. And so what you have right now is um, a healthcare system that is totally inadequate for the, for the Libyan people. Um, and no international organizations that are able to come in and plug holes or fill gaps because of the war that's ongoing and the, and the lack of safety. And so the Libyan people have really been left to themselves to, to figure this out. And, and thus far, it, it's been a disaster. And I don't want to necessarily relitigate to the past, but I wonder, in light of where this situation sits today, was the action taken by NATO in Libya to remove Gaddafi, was that, was that a disaster? Um, in my mind, it was not a disaster. I thought that it was the right move to um, step in militarily to prevent a genocide. Um, the problem that I see is in the execution of the follow-through, which was so NATO stepped in to uh, protect thousands of people who were going to be slaughtered by Gaddafi's forces and then said, okay, uh, we did our job now. You Libyans uh, take over and, and figure this out. Well, the Libyan state was um, was a paper tiger. There was no institutions behind Gaddafi. Uh, there was no infrastructure to deal with uh, any of the governing that would be required. And essentially, the Americans and Europeans 
uh, washed their hands of it. And, of course, left to their own devices, the Libyan people were totally unprepared and and uh, incapable of setting up a state. And we see what the situation nine years later. So I, I really think that um, that the Americans and NATO uh, intervent, the groups that intervened in 2011 um, had the best of intentions when they did. Uh, but it wasn't enough to simply oust the dictator that, if we were going to go in and try to be helpful, that it was really going to be in the years and months since in the follow through to ensure that Libya was on the right track. And we didn't. So demo day went well, but the house renovation project wasn't finished properly. Yeah, it was uh, to use that analogy. Yeah. We demoed the house in a bad neighborhood and then walked away and we came back and were surprised that everything that we'd used, all of our tools that we used to, to demo the house got stolen and and they ripped out all the copper wiring and ripped out all the all the plumbing uh and the people who are are squatting there um are asking us for food and and, and medical care i mean it, it is it is really a bad situation thomas hill thank you for the update it's an ignored story but one we wanted to make sure people got a got an earful of thanks for being on the show thanks for having me Thomas Hill, Senior Program Officer for North Africa at the United States Institute of Peace, the latest on Libya. And again, not a story that you hear an awful lot about, but it is one of those hot spots and important parts of the world. And it shows that there's a proxy fight going on between, guess who, Russia and also the United Arab Emirates and Turkey. The United States right now, a bystander, probably for the best for now, but we'll have to see how this develops. He is tweeting at S-E-A-T-O-D-C-A. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.